Welcome to the Conversion Therapy Survivors Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Dixon, an author and conversion therapy survivor. In this first episode, we're going to discuss what exactly conversion therapy is and what it looks like in 2020. If you are discovering our podcast for the first time and like what you hear, click the subscribe button. For more information on all the great work we're doing, head over to ctsurvivors.org. You can find and listen to our podcast on Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, and Google Podcasts. So, let's get into today's episode. So, what exactly is conversion therapy? Conversion therapy, also known as reparative therapy, is the effort to change a person's sexual orientation or gender expression through cognitive, psychological, behavioral, religious, or spiritual interventions. Just as a heads up, during this episode, I might use the acronym CT instead of conversion therapy, so don't be alarmed. Anyway, CT is rooted in this pseudoscientific notion that any non-heterosexual orientation or non-conforming gender expression is a pathology in need of a cure. Next, I want to explore some of the common premises in which conversion therapy is rooted. Before we begin, I just want to say that All of the information I present in this next section can be found in Wayne Besson's 2003 book, Anything But Straight, Unmasking the Scandals and Lies Behind the Ex-Gay Myth. The first theory that conversion therapy relies on is called defensive detachment. So this theory pretty much states that a person becomes homosexual as a result of a disruption during adolescence that produces an emotional detachment from the same-sex parent. Because the child equates this detachment with rejection, he or she subsequently rejects the same-sex parent and everything about that parent, including his or her gender identity. The next theory is called gender rejection. This is a byproduct of defensive detachment because a child suffering from defensive detachment will reject traditional gender roles and behaviors, such as playing sports for boys or playing with dolls or doing makeup for girls. Once an individual self-isolates from his or her gender group, he or she is more likely to gravitate toward homosexuality. So many conversion therapists actually believe that because a person had a distant or non-existent relationship with his or her same-sex parent or didn't bond with same-sex peers through gender-conforming activities growing up, their need for validation and acceptance from the same sex becomes sexualized. 
CT believes that homosexuality is a deep, deep emotional wound caused by an emotionally distant parent, and like all wounds, can be healed. So you have conversion therapists who are encouraging clients to seek out non-sexual same-sex friendships, and they believe that once they bond with their same-sex peers in a non-sexual way, their same-sex attractions diminish and their opposite-sex attractions emerge. One thing to take note of is that these premises surrounding the causation of homosexuality have been repeatedly disproved by decades of research, and almost all health and psychological associations condemn the practice of CT. So now that we know what conversion therapy is, why exactly is it condemned by almost all health and psychological associations? Why is this therapy so dangerous? Be ready because we're going to talk about all of the risks associated with this type of therapy. I'm going to warn you, it's going to get real, but we have to talk about this. And we have to explain why we have an organization called CT Survivors in the first place. A common trait among many CT programs is to dangerously correlate heterosexuality with leading a happy, normal, and healthy life. Conversion therapists don't shy away from projecting their homophobia and transphobia onto their clients and will often tell them if they embrace the LGBTQ plus identity, they will be exiled into a life of promiscuity, drug and alcohol abuse, and unfulfilling relationships. These same therapists will also blame the client when they express frustration over their continued same-sex attractions. So when you have this repeated negative messaging from the conversion therapist and these external pressures from your family and your faith community and even your friends to be straight, this becomes the perfect breeding ground for depression, isolation, and suicidal thoughts and behaviors. Looking back on my own experience with CT, I was told similar things. At 22 years old, I was told that if I identified as gay, I would not be in a monogamous relationship. I believe my therapist Chris Doyle said I would have multiple sexual partners. I would routinely use drugs and alcohol. I would be a narcissist. He said that gay men are narcissists. That's why they don't have kids. They want kids, but they don't have kids. This is what I was told at 22 years old. 
And he talked about straight life. He talked about having a natural family, which meant being with a woman and having children by her, raising those children in a home with a mother and a father, providing stability that only a married man and woman could provide. As you can imagine, it it's taken me years to unlearn those concepts I was taught in conversion therapy. I'm still working on removing those harmful messages from my mind. And it's an uphill battle for a lot of LGBTQ plus individuals who have gone through CT. The American Psychological Association states that conversion therapy clients are at risk of family rejection, depression, health risks, homelessness, and death by suicide. According to a 2018 study conducted by San Francisco State University, high levels of depression more than doubled at 33% for LGBTQ plus young people whose parents tried to change their sexual orientation compared with young people with no conversion therapy experience at 16%, and it more than tripled at 52% for LGBTQ plus young people who reported both family efforts to change their sexual orientation and external sexual orientation change efforts by therapists and religious leaders. Suicide attempts by LGBTQ plus young people whose parents tried to change them more than doubled at 48% compared with those with no conversion therapy experience at 22%. And it nearly tripled at 63% for those who reported both family and external efforts to change their sexual orientation. This therapy is literally killing people. It is causing people to kill themselves. And I can tell you from experience, recovering from this trauma is not easy. It is not something that happens overnight. And it is precisely why an organization like CT Survivors exists. But despite this overwhelming evidence discrediting CT, it is still pervasive in America today. Despite being banned for minors in 20 states, Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, and 79 municipalities across Florida, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, very few legislation protects adults who undergo CT, and there has been a shortage of support networks for CT survivors and their families. We're about to see in this next segment 
what CT looks like today in 2020 and how it's still being practiced. So stay tuned. Before we head into our final segment of today's episode, I want to ask you for your support. You found our podcast for a reason. Whether you're a CT survivor who is looking for a community that fosters growth and healing, a member of the LGBTQ plus family, an ally, or just someone who wants to understand the struggles CT survivors face, we need your help. If you're able, head over to ctsurvivors.org and click the donate link on the top right-hand corner of the page. Your donation is tax-deductible, and it will help survivors heal. Another way you can support CT Survivors is to purchase my debut novel, Corrupted, The Truth Shall Be the Nail in Your Coffin, on a Friday or a Saturday. All sales from those two days will go toward supporting CT Survivors. Incorrupted, journalist and CT survivor Jerry Nelson goes undercover to expose and discredit his former conversion therapist and uncovers a dangerous criminal enterprise that threatens his life and the lives of his friends. Head over to www.jareddixon.com to order your copy. And remember, if you purchase my book on a Friday or a Saturday, all sales go directly towards CT survivors. Thank you. So this final segment of this episode is going to discuss the clever tactics conversion therapists employ to keep the practice of CT alive. With the success of movies like Boy Erased and The Miseducation of Cameron Post, the manipulative, abusive, and damaging practice of CT has become accessible to the general public. People who had not experienced CT were able to see what really goes on when a person is pressured or forced into CT. Because many conversion therapists knew that the general public was starting to view CT as abject torture, some have rebranded their practice and distanced themselves from the term conversion therapy altogether. Outright International posted an article in 2019 detailing these clever tactics. In the article, they discussed a new term called reintegrative therapy, a therapy that helps clients resolve trauma and addictions using evidence-based practices. The change in sexuality is a byproduct of the resolution of past trauma. All therapists who practice reintegrative therapy must be a licensed psychotherapist following the code of ethics set forth by the Reintegrative Therapy Association. If you visit their website, they immediately tell you that they don't practice conversion therapy and that one of the main differences between reintegrative therapy and CT 
is that clients of reintegrative therapy see a decrease in their same-sex attractions and an increase in their opposite-sex attractions. Sound familiar? While I was on their website, I noticed that the founder of the Reintegrative Therapy Association was Dr. Joseph Nicolosi Jr., whose father was one of the infamous co-founders of NARTH, the National Association for Research and Therapy of Homosexuality. I won't go into the history of NARTH, but I will say that its sole function is to pathologize homosexuality. As I reluctantly browsed their website, I clicked on a link that said, Discover more for yourself about the science of how sexuality changes. And I was immediately taken to an article written by Narth. Suffice to say, I wasn't surprised. The underlying message I took away is that LGBTQ plus people are damaged and should change. You can clearly see that this therapy is nothing but another iteration of conversion therapy. At CT Survivors, we're committed to supporting fellow survivors as they heal from the trauma of conversion therapy. Many of us were shamed into silence or felt responsible for the harm inflicted upon us. If you're listening to this podcast and you're a survivor, please know that you are not alone. The trauma you endured was not your fault, whether you were forced into CT or pursued it on your own. I hope this podcast gives you the courage to reach out, seek help, and connect with the community of survivors who already love you. There is beauty in healing together. One last thing before I go, the End Conversion Therapy Virtual Summit is on September 29th, and we want you to be a part of it. Go to endconversiontherapy.com to learn more about the event and register. We can't wait to see you there. Special thanks to our founding members, Rocky Tishma, our community outreach coordinator, Dr. Michael Ferguson, our chief science advisor, and Matt Ashcroft, our human rights and social justice advisor. Special thanks also to Shlomo Sat our communications advisor, and Kimberly Anderson, our group facilitator. I'm your host, Jared Dixon. Until next time, take care and be well.